going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. We're in the Fight Club talking what was an insane night for fights. UFC 291, Poirier versus Gaethje 2 for the BMF. And as always, go down and like and subscribe. Comment what you thought on the fight night, uh, the pay-per-view card, which was a banger. Like, don't don't get me wrong, it was a banger. And as always, this is Paul. Pick him, win him, Concha. And who's with me? You already know, man. It's your boy, Cap. Water boy, your boy. And I know you see the sleep in my eyes. So we had the show, but we started to come through and do this recap. UFC 291. I'm back from motherfucking Texas. It was a vibe out there. Paul, you know, I did not know there were so many black anime and gaming fans. Like, I didn't know there was a community for that. So, like, then they were deep, like thousands, thousands of people. Yeah, but they even have a singles black gamer anime.com for all the singles out there. Then if somebody don't turn off this light bulb that just running back on the side of my head. <laughs> but nah, man, it's a vibe, man. So I enjoyed this car, but my ugly eyes did the meanest thing. I got my fucking time zones wrong. So by the time I tuned into this shit, it was like Derek Lewis was just now going up. And I'm like, oh shit, main car just started. Let's go. And the next thing you know is Alex. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, no, bro. It was a great card. I mean, sold out event. Salt Lake City, high altitude. It definitely looked like it played a part because people were getting finished left and right for facts. What was it like? Twelve total fights. Nine of them were finished, mostly all in the prelims. Shout out the fight of the night: Matthew Smellsberger getting KO'd by Euros Medic, which honestly deserved every penny they got. First round Smellsberger, and then we're banging. Uh, he gets the first round knockdown. Medic gets back up. They continue to this continue. It was a stand up war. Third round gets the knockdown, gets the finish. The rest was history. And kind of like the first fight of the night, Miranda Maverick gets the submission in the third round. And they kind of set the tone that like every fight tonight is probably going to be a finish. Oh, that's right now. And then, uh, honestly, I won't say the best submission of the night. But I'll give it the award of this. Like, this is why there's UFC talent. We have, like, Jake Matthews taking Darius Flowers. Darius Flowers first fight in the UFC. And it showed that he probably didn't belong in the UFC. Jake Matthews kind of made it look easy the way he was picking him apart. And then he gets a second-round submission, kind of dominating both sides of the ball type shit. So Jake Matthews continues to look good as he continues to roll in welterweight. I'm going to take your word for it, man. And then we jump it over to the main card. Gabriel Bonfum gets the first round submission over Trevin Giles. First minute, minute and 13 seconds, gets the submission. Not much needed. He didn't throw much. He shot one takedown, got the takedown. 20 seconds later, locks in the guillotine choke. Fight over. Hey, man, that's the beauty for the Bonfum brothers, man. They are legit, like Mario and Luigi. We know who's Mario. Gabriel Bonfim is the legit. Well, I mean, not to discredit Ismael, but Ismael definitely is a top 15 fighter. Gabriel's shown that he looks like a world challenger. No, nah, definitely, man. He's literally they're running through shit and wrecking everybody. Well, that's his second or third submission in a row. Second, yeah, got- second, two fights in the UFC, a total of a minute and like forty seconds. Nice, making both put, put in Bo Nickel to shame. 
And then we had Kevin Holling in a submission over Michael Chiesa, where I was telling you and the whole world was saying, Chiesa's one strong suit is the ground game, BJJ. And then Kevin Holland goes in there, not only dominates on the feet, but then says, as he's on the ground, fuck it, I'm just going to show you that, like, I'm going to lock up this little triangle, get this shit over with, chokes him out. And then it got a little spicy on the mic afterwards. Everyone knows Holland likes to talk his shit. And he was basically like, oh, he, he doesn't want to spar with people or you don't want to train with world-class athletes. Well, that shit show tonight. Well, maybe you should start training with world-class athletes. I was like, damn, bro. I didn't, it sounded like there was a little bit of beef between Holland and Chiesa that I didn't know about. But Holland continues to be a world beater at welterweight. He did say after this fight, if he can't fight for the BMF belt, only reason why he came to welterweight, then he's going to move his ass right back up to 185 because he likes uh, eating food, drinking beer, and fucking bitches. How to sex to make weight, niggas. That was dangerous. But yeah, man. I mean, Kevin Holland just showcased that he's a top fifteen fighter. He's been one for a while now, and like, I mean, he's literally about to get ranked in and leave the division, which is interesting. But Kevin Holland is just a great all around great dude. People sleep on his BJJ and his own um, ground game. Does he move back up in your eyes, or is that just him talking a little bit of shit? I mean, that's just Kevin Holland's way of showing that he is a hitter for real. He's a top 15 fighter. He's been a top 15 fighter for a while now. But it's crazy that he's about to hit the top 15 and just to leave that division. But the, do you think he jumps in the moves back up the middle weight, or is that him talking a little bit of shit? I don't know. He's been talking for a minute now about leaving the weight. He was talking about that shit last for his last fight, and I want to say even before then, so like, if he can get lit, if he can finally get like his crowd up, he got his um following back. He can go to what to wait and do whatever the fuck he wants. All right. Well, after back to back first round finishes with Kevin Holland and Gabriel Bonfim, then we had a third round submission with six seconds left on the clock. We saw what was sitting at plus four thousand odds, Bobby Green to get the submission of Tony Ferguson in the third round. I'm not going to say Tony Ferguson looked good because Bobby Green looked like his best performance ever. Multiple, all his punches looked like they did damage. I want to say Tony Ferguson's chin is just barely holding up. Like If he goes in there with somebody that has some power in his hands, it could get really ugly. The only highlight I had for Ferguson was the first round. He got a little knockdown. Maybe it was a little flash knockdown. His feet were, weren't under Bobby Green. But he threw a little left hand straight. It landed knocked down Bobby Green. And that was the only thing, because I had Ferguson money line. I thought he could maybe squeeze out a submission maybe, especially when he was going rolling off his back. He tried to shoot. He tried to get some triangles a lot. None of them worked. Bobby Green looked like he was prepared for that. He looked like he was training, like, okay, this guy's going to try some shit off the back because I'm going to be on top of him. And he, he was definitely prepared for it. But I mean, this is just the roller coaster of Tony Ferguson. I can't even say roller coaster at this point. It's it's all downhill right now. Like roller coasters go up and down. Like this is this has been like a, a straight fall. I think they said twenty thirteen to twenty nineteen, or like twenty thirteen to twenty nineteen. Tony Ferguson twelve and up, and then since then own six. Our favorite, like one of our favorite, not our favorite fighters, but one of them fighters who 
he's just destroying his record at this point where like when, when the next generation looks at his numbers, they're like, Oh, he had like seven losses. All, and they all gonna age well because they're the all hitters, right? But it's about that time. Like you feel me? Like we was wondering this when he first got kicked by Michael Chandler. And then when he lost to Nate Diaz, it wasn't bad. But he came in, he came in looking not terrible. He came in looking better than he did in those last two fights. But that still wasn't enough. Like, I don't know, man. Tony, he has that heart, he has that grit, and he did. I feel like he didn't even tap out. I think they just like he. He choked like, unconscious. He was out. He tried kicking his feet and shit for a second. Yeah, kicking for blood, and he was six seconds away. Oh, that's crazy. But do you think he would have won the decision? No, but I was pulled for it. I was, like, <laughs> I was in there like kick your legs, pick him, pick him, fucking Vegas robbery. Get Sal on the phone. He did get the knockdown in the first round. That's where everyone was giving Bobby Green the first round, and I was like, bro, according to MMA and boxing rules now, that was it's a lot knockdown. Of <laughs> it's <laughs> about damage. Yeah, so, I mean, he wasn't looking good going towards the, the decision either, but I agree. Maybe it is time to hang him up. You're 0-6, and Tony, Bobby Green is the guy that keeps the – keeps the guys that aren't supposed to be in the top 15 out. And if we just watch Tony Ferguson, who was ranked in the top 15, he just gave Bobby Green a fucking top 15 number, bro, which shouldn't be done. All right, that should never happen. But now Bobby Green's got it because Tony Ferguson was holding on to one. Tony Ferguson, at this point, who else is he going to fight? Like, who are you going to sign up to watch him fight Jared Gordon? Are you going to sign up to watch him fight these guys outside the top 15? I mean, Tony can do what he does, man. But if I was him, I would just go ahead and take my gloves off, kid. It's about that time. Some people's bodies just catch up with him. He's been in the wars. He's gone through some shit. And he's done enough. The way Bobby's punches were hurting him, it's definitely time. It's like kind of like when Chuck Liddell, second stint where everyone knew his time was up and he was just getting knocked out left and right. Like, that's what Tony Ferguson, if he continues to stay, I think, signing up for. But... Same thing with Anderson Silva. I went like 0 7. Yeah, like, you're signing up for nothing, really, but other than a paycheck. Our next fight, we can't even get into the next fight without talking the drama that led into this next fight. Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Michelle Pierre was supposed to be this fight right here. Unfortunately, Michelle Pierre came in three pounds overweight. Wonderboy said he wasn't going to fight him. Fight gets called off. And now they're saying Wonderboy ain't even getting paid his show money from the UFC. The UFC is yet to pay him, even though he came in on weight and he should get his show money like everyone else has. But how do you feel about this, Kev? No, that's actually crazy. I didn't know that they was holding back my dog paper now. That's a little fucked up because you can't control that. And I mean, you can say like, oh, you didn't take the fight. That's on you. Like, you could have fought him, but I'm like, all right, you fight him, anything can happen. Wonder Boy's like 40-something. I mean, I think he did the smart decision and not fought, bro. But, like, the fact that they held up his cash is kind of fucked up. And dude missed weight. Wonder Boy's never missed weight a day in his life, he said in his um, thank you. And his, he said in, some, in a, a post he made, he's never missed weight a day in his life. 
and it does have to be some type of accountability for Mr. Wade, especially by three pounds. So, like, I'm on Wonder Boy's side about this low key. You know, I'm all about the smoke. I had pitched an idea for missing weight, right? Let's say a part of Miss Weight's Kev, and they have to give up 30. They already give up 30% of their purse. Let's say 30 or 40%, right? And they come into the fight deducted a point. Huh. And and my logic behind this is it, the person fighting truly feels it. Because you can't this is because the fight isn't just the fight, it's the making the weight, it's the camp, it's everything. So you you already lost that part. But I think it also makes for more exciting fights. Because if someone's coming in on like I can't rely on the scorecard, like I'm already down a point, they're gonna come in bring in the action. Facts. And if you think about it, everything right now is mostly in the hands of the person who did make weight because they're like, okay, well, sometimes the money isn't enough. The 30% purse isn't enough. But if they know that they're, oh, I could easily win a decision. All all you got to do is win a round or two. I can get a decision. They're going to take that fight every time. Oh, I don't care. He's overweight. Like, oh, that should be an easy win for me. And the other person, now it's not in his control, but I bet you he would never sign up for a fight that he's down a point when the fight starts. Yeah, that's real shit. But now you kind of fucked. You already signed a contract. You're in for this fight now. And you didn't make weight. So there's nothing you can do. Now you have to fight. Better go out there and win. That's my – because you saw Izzy say it against Marvin Vittori or or Paulo. No, he fought Paulo Costa. He was just like, the 30% don't hurt him enough. If they cared, if that thirty percent hurt them, no one would be coming in overweight. But yet they do. Yeah, I could. Now that was me. Three pounds is even close. Three pounds means like you knew a week out that you were not probably making weight, and you was just probably praying to the gods. Yeah, there should be some some type of more accountability. I'm, I'm a firm believer. Maybe not touching the money because there's so much foolishness already. Around the money, so like just finding more reasons to take more is gonna make things tougher. But there does need to be some type of accountability. But then you get the older parents situation, so like you never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, we'll never get a full solution, but I just don't think the current solution is a real solution, and they gotta change it up somehow. Play with it. Let the PFLs and the other, you know how like NFLs and XFL and them play with the rules and adapting rules from them if it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let the PFLs and the Bellators play with the rules and see what works. Hell yeah. But instead, we got a fucking banger. Derek Lewis, who deserved to be on the main card. I mean, we were talking about how he doesn't fight on anything else other than the main card. He gets a knockout win in 33 seconds over Marcus Rogiro de Lima. Flying knee into some punches unanswered punches he gets the win and then i don't think a lot of people understood he took his shorts off and was doing the degenerational x he was doing the socket a lot of people i don't think understood what the x's were for <laughs> that's crazy but no the energy for this fight was insane shout out Derek lewis and that starting off the fight with a flying knee if there's anything you would 
you wouldn't expect it from Derek Lewis to start off a fucking fight with a flying knee. Catches dude and finishes ass in what, like the first 40 seconds? Great fucking vibe, great energy, and great fucking post-game fucking celebration. He's back. Yeah, um, Derek, and that was the last fight on his contract, he said. So that boy got some real negotiation shit now. People are saying, I mean, we don't have to talk to fight. It was so quick. Everyone saw the highlight. If you didn't, go check Totally Blitz podcast page. We got the KO on you on there for you. But do you, if you're Derek Lewis, are you re-signing with the UFC? Do you think you're going on another title fight run? Or are they paying you enough for who you are worth? I mean, they just try to put you on a fucking prelim fight. Let's be real. Or are you signing with the PFL for what they're saying could be a seven-figure number, and you could rematch Naganu and give everybody what they missed the first fight. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's what the, that's what people are saying right now. Since he's a free agent, like, should he resign? Does he actually go on? Like, does he believe he's gonna be on a title run? In my eyes, it's go get your bag at this point. Like, hey, if PFL's offering you big money, main event star status, and you could beat up some cans in your first two or three fights, and then you fight Francis Nugano for the heavyweight belt, and you put on a fucking, and it's a, you know, that shit's going to sell a lot of tickets. Like, you, go get the bag, Derek Lewis. <laughs> Same yeah, thing I told Tony Ferguson right now. Go get the bag. I would tell Tony Ferguson to get the bag and commentate. <laughs> yeah, but, go, yeah, yeah. Go sit next to Joe. But no, I mean, Derek Lewis has options. He says he wants to stay with the UFC. But it'd be smart to look around, see what that bag is, get the P, get the PFL money, and go fight Francis one time. Like, I would play with it to see what they got for him. But if the UFC comes the right way, I'm pretty sure he's gonna resign. And then the co-main event, and we're so happy looking now that this wasn't for a belt. Facts. This was not a belt-worthy fight. Alex Pierre gets a split decision win over Jan Blahovitz. And as a wrestler, Kev, I know Alex is your guy. You had him in the picks. Who do you think won this fight? You giving it to the man who was wrestling? You giving it to the man that was doing more damage? I'm not here to I'm not here to listen to what the MMA judges have to think. I'm here to listen to Kev. Who do you think won that fight? I mean, I got Alex winning the fight. I feel like Alex landed did more damage, and that's what the name of the game is. And I think Jan tried to pull the most veteran move by getting the takedown late. So that way they can end on the ground and everything. So I think Jan probably had a great a great strategy, a methodical way to put it. But I got to give it to Alex. He had the most damage by far. I agree. I think for sure. I think in my eyes, Jan won the first round. I think for sure. He got that takedown. He got the back. Yes, it was boring. Yes, he only he didn't land any power from it, but he he got the control time. He for like four and a half minutes he was controlling him. Not much else was done that round. But round two and three, where we saw Alex landing power shots that did damage, and was hurting Yon, and then I felt like Yon was kind of having to shoot takedowns to keep the fight alive because otherwise he would have kept getting pieced up. Kind of that all plays a role in judging in my eyes. And that's why I think Piero won this fight. And I think split decision Piero is the right way to for this fight to go. Because I could also you could argue 
beyond won this fight just off the control time and if you're really big on that and everything. So, like, I think the decision was spot on. Split decision, Alex Pierre. Because he didn't dominate to win. He didn't unanimously, 100%, without a doubt in my mind, he won this fight. So and now, now we get him versus Yuri from what everything's looking like first for the vacant belt. So, yeah, that's going to be an intense fight. Imagine just the samurai versus the fucking archer. Like, it's just going to be an insane buildup. And everything played right for Pierre because he's going to fight someone who will stand up with him for the whole fight. So, facts. We'll see some fireworks when that happens. And then Jamal Hill comes back and talks about where my belt out, boys. <laughs> we got Justin Gaethje. KO over Dustin Poirier. Second round, minute and six seconds. Or minute and nine seconds. He throws the same thing he hit Usman with. I don't know, that Leon Edwards hit Usman with. In the same building. The left hand straight with the right head kick. Same time. Lands perfectly. Dustin Poirier is out. Throws a follow-up punch to make sure. Herb Dean slides in like he's going in for uh he stole home base or something. Fight over, Justin Gaethje, BMF winner. How were you feeling? Because I know how I was watching it. I just watched Crawford do greatness on boxing, and then I just watched the most one of the most insane K right now KO of the year, in my opinion. Nah, that's in front of my eyes in a matter of. 10 minutes or less. Yeah, it was literally, they just got done like with their post-fight interviews when, um, when they got this. So I didn't see this coming at all. I'm thinking this fight is going to be like, they're going to download a little data and get to get to beating the shit out of each other. I thought it was going to be back and forth fair. But Justin Gaethje, bro, he said he, he said he said that, he tried that head kick twice in the first round. He saw it was landing and then he tried it again this time and he really put some faith behind it. Boom. Sent Dustin Poirier to the fucking shot. Not to the shot around, but definitely put that boy to sleep for a couple of seconds because, damn, that was a nice-ass motherfucking head kick. And that's all she wrote to end that in the second round. Now it's like, yo, Justin Gaethje is a dangerous motherfucker. Now a calm, chill Gaethje is the most dangerous Justin Gaethje. I have to say I apologize. I was not familiar with your game, Justin Gaethje. Hmm. Fun statistic, Justin Gacy's first ever head kick KO. Nice. Dustin Poirier's first ever head kick loss KO. Top. Same night, same place, same second, same kick. Same time. <laughs> I would say... That, that right there maybe like, Justin Gacy, I have never... He's all hands. All hands. So, and leg kicks. He throws a good amount of leg kicks. Can't ever discredit that. Mm-hmm. It's almost like watch. It's almost like playing UFC 3, and you're already a champion, right? And you get enough XP, and you unlock the head kick. Now you unlock the head kick on your next opponent. That's how I felt with Justin. Justin Gaethje's already been there, done that, and you would already expect his game to be where it's at. But all of a sudden, he just fucking unlocked the head kick. It was 
threw that bitch and knocked it, knocked out who arguably everyone says is the best stand-up fighter in this division by far. Like, take that bitch out the bottom of this toolbox. That it's kind of we're watching like these fighters are leveling up, and I you know everyone says like you can't like a lot of these fighters say like oh even though I'm I'm already this I'm already that I still have things to learn I'm still learning every day. And a lot of time, I feel like it's bullshit. I've seen these fighters fight the same fights their whole damn career, and I'm like, you didn't learn a goddamn thing. Like you just <laughs> did the same thing for fucking sixteen fights. Justin Gaethje did the same thing. He didn't like he wrestled a little bit early, then just the straight hands, and then this last fight threw a fucking head kick KO, and like you said, threw a couple in the first round as a feeler, and that's kind of scary. Like maybe uh-huh. he something in the Rafael Vazir fight. Like, he was like, oh, shit, like, these head kicks kind of hurt. That boy, they're saying that Tony Ferguson fight and the Raphael Fasif fight are the fights that changed this nigga Justin Gaethje forever. That changed the course of his history. Another fun fact, Justin Gaethje can't make this up. 12 fights in the UFC, 12 bonuses. Yeah, and it's funny. So he's only gotten, he's only gotten the bonus in 10 fights, and two of them he double bonus. Double bonus, man. That's <laughs> So it's really 12 and 10. When you talk about the most accurate nickname in the UFC, the highlight reel Justin Gaethje is the most accurate nickname in the UFC. I don't know. Ruthless Robbie Lawler is still up there. but That is. Never mind. I, and it's, I it's, hold my breath for Robbie Lawler until he retires officially. He's it's one a, accurate nickname. It's 1A and 1B type shit. But he's, they say Justin Gaethje's never had Fuck never had a boring fight. He's never had a boring round. Never. And his chin's been true through the test of time. Facts. But, I mean, what a fucking car. I mean, 291, banger, 290. 290 and 291 are back-to-back bangers. And UFC definitely showed up. Dana, that's the reason why I'm wearing the shirt I'm wearing right now. When Dana White does what he's supposed to do, I show up on the recap walk giving, paying my dues to Dana White for what he do. This guy. But, damn. Alrighty, guys. We gotta get the fuck up out of here. It's been a late-ass night. It's 11.33 at night. We are a few brewskis and bong rips in. As always, we had to talk that shit with y'all boys. This has been Totally Blitz Podcast. I'm Paul Pickenwin of Concha. That's Kev, Street Fight Enthusiast. So boy, we broke down UFC 291. Gaethje, the current BMF champion. Alex Piera, who looks to be the next title fight contender against Yuri. And if y'all didn't know, well, now y'all know, motherfuckers. <laughs>